So tonight's going to be a little bit different because tonight is a night of learning, of course, but how we're going to learn and what we're going to learn may be a little bit different. So I'm going to start with this joy thing because we're in the third week of Advent. Who could tell me the Latin word for Advent? Adventus. Adventus is the Latin word. Now that you know that, we can go back to appreciatio, right? But this time, it's real. So Adventus. So that just means something. We can expect something coming. We are waiting on the promise, Jesus. But Jesus already came. Now what? Well, we still praise him, but we also... We also are waiting on the second coming of Jesus Christ, amen? amen? And that's something that we can all be excited about. And how do we know the end times? Well, Jesus himself tells us about it in the Word, right? But we don't know that exact time, but we're, we're waiting with expectation. And we should be waiting in expectation about all the good things. I'm waiting in expectation for full and complete healing that God is going to do in Gail. I know that Gail is a man of faith. And I know that his wife is an amazing woman of God. And so their faith combined will move them out of the one that the doctors, who cares what they say? Right? Amen. We're going for healing. Amen. And, I, and I'm waiting, I'm believing in it. This lady, I don't know who she is, but I can't wait till she skips down the lane and walks back into her house. <laughs> right? Like, we have power and authority, and the word tells us the greater things will we do than what Jesus did. And Jesus did so many things that we couldn't even read the book, like the, the miracles and the signs and wonders would fill the world. And that was one dude. One dude. Can you imagine what happens when the church is lit up? And people say, well, that doesn't happen anymore. And I say, bull. I don't believe it. I'm not going to believe it. I'm not buying that because in 1 Corinthians, it tells us that though we speak in tongues and prophesy, we do these in part. There will come a day when those are no longer needed. But until then, they're needed. These are ways that we communicate, the ways that we walk in faith. And it says when the perfect one comes... So it's talking about the second coming of Christ. So until that second coming of Christ, when we are gathered up with a heavenly host full of angels and we are all sitting in the throne room of God, we will be doing miracles, signs, and wonders. Amen? Amen. And that's just what we're going to do because the Bible says it and your pastor is just crazy enough to believe it. Right? Like every word in the Bible is good. Every single one of them. I guarantee you I'm not smarter than God. So if he put it in there, I'm just going to roll with it. I hope you don't mind. That's just, just how it's going to happen, okay? We're just going to do that. So we're talking about joy. And why wouldn't we be filled with joy? Why wouldn't we? What was the first week? What was the first candle that we lit? Hope. Hope. So we light the hope again. And then what? Peace. Peace. And 
now which candle do we light? We're left with a pink and a purple. Which one do we light? Pink. Pink. Amen. We're going to light that pink. Because of what pink also means. Exactly. And so, what really neat things. So when I first became a Christian, I wasn't into all this stuff. I, you could take all the stuff that the church does and you could throw it out the window. Just give me the Bible. Give me a good message and some songs. I'm golden. But I'm throwing the baby out with the bathwater. See, I don't believe that these candles, lighting these candles, have any great significant power whatsoever. There is nothing magical, mystical, powerful, almighty, anointed in those candles at all. So then why would we do it? For the same reasons that we repent. There is something in the actions that we do as Christians in the church that bring a greater and deeper awareness in us and through us. Right? So when I repent, I am paying attention to what's going on, what's happening. There's something in the outward action. It's just like baptism. Is baptism, does baptism save you? No, no. Right, because Jesus said if you do what, and then you do what, then you'll be saved. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Exactly. Exactly. That's salvation. But the baptism is that symbolic, that outward expression to let the world know that I was joined with Jesus in death. I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, and I rise a new creation. Right? And each and every one of us have that. And, and so we should be looking forward to joy, with joy in our hearts, because God is working in the measure that we're willing to allow him to work. He's bringing more and more and more to us. So wouldn't that be exciting? Isn't that exciting? If you, if you think about it, like, I'm just a wee little baby in my faith. And I would even say that where I'm at. Because I'm still not all the way there. And so I'm excited, I'm joyful because there's more. I'm excited and joyful because I can repent. Because I can, I can say, God, you know, man, I screwed up again, Lord. And I look forward to it. I have great joy in my heart because he's like, yeah, but I love you. You're good, friend. Come on, Scooter. Let's get up and let's get going here, boy. You got this. So joy, the experience of deliverance and the anticipation of salvation provide the most significant occasions for rejoicing among the people of God in the Old Testament. The coming of the Messiah who delivers his people and brings salvation becomes the basis for rejoicing in the New Testament. The response of joy, gladness, or happiness is not only a deep inward feeling, but is expressed in celebration when God's people gather together. Amen. So do you look forward to church, or is church just something that you do? Right? Like what we're trying to create is this, this atmosphere where we absolutely love, like we are mutually encouraged. What are you looking for? What's going on in your world? What's happening? What do you need from your family, from your beloved brothers and sisters? What do you need? What do you want? And then how do we do that? You see, the problem with the church is we go to church and that's it. Sunday morning is not enough. 
Because there's a lot of people sitting in chairs that ain't even listening. And for some, it might be a good thing. Because what's coming from this side out is not all that good either. Right? But we have joy. So I want to encourage you guys again. Like, everybody should be bringing Bibles. You should bring your Bibles. Every time you sit in front of a pastor, every time you sit and listen to a message, you should bring the Word of God so it's in your hands. There's something about touching the Word of God, something about flipping it over through the week. Now you know where it is. You can go right to it. So when God speaks to you and says, Romans 12, 2, you go, I know where that is. That's right after Acts. Right after Acts, now I'm in row. Oh, here we go. One, two, five, seven, nine. There's 12. Okay, here's two. And you can celebrate and rejoice and be glad in the Word of God because now God, what's He saying in Romans 12, too? Do not be, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen. Hallelujah. And how are you going to know that if you don't know the word of God? Guys, there's something to it for each and every one of us. We have those that little thing right here. I have like six Bible apps on my phone that are unbelievable. But I still like the physical Bible better. But we should be doing that. We should be excited. We should be excited about the gathering of the brethren. Right? It's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. We should be telling people about this. Like, this should be the most exciting time of our week. Is when we get together. Because you guys get to make it that way. The faith that you guys have, the excitement about God that you guys have, gets to be exciting for your brothers, your sisters, your neighbors. And now we start talking. We start sharing what's going on and why we like it, right? Because now we're actually engaged in it. We're not just sitting there. We didn't buy the ticket and then just sit there and watch. We actually engaged in something that's free, that's a blessing to us. And I'm excited. I'm, excited. I'm filled with joy. And people should know that you're Christian. They should know, and you should be excited to tell them. You've got the greatest thing in the world. And the joy, no matter what this world throws at us, we have eternity with God the Father. We'll be dancing on the streets of gold to the heavenly choir of angels as they sing out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Like, hallelujah, this is beautiful. It's incredible that we get, like, we get to do this. Like, what are you going to throw at me, world? What are you going to throw? Because you got nothing. We got a God that heals. And I've seen it. I've seen legs grow. When I was in Africa and I had a heart attack, and I prayed that God would deliver me from that. And I get up the next morning and I start preaching, I start praying. That's not me. That's my God. Because you don't really just do that. Right? Like you don't just get up and go preach for 15 hours. 
<laughs> you do when you worship God, when you worship our Lord. So why are we not full of joy? Why are we not telling the world about this? What are you afraid of? We're so afraid of looking like a donkey, but it's sorry. See, because remember, Paul got knocked off his donkey so that he couldn't see for three days and actually come out with vision. But he had to get up off of his burrow so that he could see. Anybody getting that? You understand what I'm saying? You smell what I'm stepping in? <laughs> this is important stuff. This is important stuff, and it comes, it comes from joy. Like, why are, why are we not joyful? Why are we not joyful? And it doesn't mean that there's times in life that aren't going to suck. Amen? Because sometimes things just suck. But there's always a way out. There's always a way out. And that way is God the Father. It's Yahweh. In the Old Testament, rejoicing is frequently expressed in connection with the feasts. In fact, they are called times of rejoicing. You can go to Numbers 10.10. 10. Recalling God's marvelous act of delivering Israel from bondage. The feast of Passover and unleavened bread were occasions of great joy. And why wouldn't they? So they're in Egypt and they're getting hammered. They're slaves. <laughs> God is blessing the people so much. And then they start taking away the straw from, from their bricks. How are they going to make bricks without the straw? What's going to hold them together? And they hold together. And then here comes this speech impediment dude. Pharaoh. Knock it off. But no. God delivered him from that problem. And he spoke. He had a partner to help him. And God delivered them from whatever they were going through. So why wouldn't we rejoice? What would have happened to our faith had that not happened? You see, each and every one of us think we have a problem like Moses thought he had a problem. But each and every one of us with our problems, God has a solution for it. Amen? He's got a way to get up and over it. You see, he's an overcoming God. He's a God that helps us rise up beyond our circumstance, beyond what we think is our disability. Because maybe, just maybe, God is able to, just as he did with Moses and others throughout the scripture, to use the disability to make it an ability. You see, because when you think that you can't and God shows you that you can and he's given supernatural strength, not just what the body is able to do, but something greater, you have no other way to respond other than hallelujah, sing his praise and get to action. Amen? Because God is doing something. God is doing something and we should rejoice just as they did. The New Testament era was inaugurated by the cry of the angel of the Lord. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will come to all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Know your word, know that that story is in Luke 2. 
You hear it every year at Christmas, but do you just hear it? Or do you live it? Do you get excited about it? Do you actually have joy about the Christmas season? It's so easy to get wrapped up in the gifts, the presents, the trees, the trim, the, all the stuff that goes with it. But if you really have the true joy of the Lord, then you know what really matters. So no matter whether you have a lot of money to do anything or a little money to do things, it doesn't matter because the same joy, the same heart posture. Have you ever had what seemed like a crummy day, but yet somehow there was joy in the day and you look back and you're like, man, that day really could have sucked, but somehow it was okay. I'm a treasure. Right, you gotta start looking. We gotta start looking because we've been delivered from hell. Amen, because that's where we were going. If left, left up to our own, we would be going to hell. But because of Jesus Christ, because of this season, we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that should bring amazing joy to your heart. And maybe some of us could use to teach our children that. To not be afraid to teach them the truth about it. All the redeemed are brought into a close union with Christ where they experience great joy. Abiding in Christ brings fullness of joy according to John 15, 11. Paul likewise finds the ultimate source of the believer's joy stemming from being in Christ in Philippians 4, 3, 4, 4 and 3, 1. So we light that joy, the candle for joy. And we experience it and we recognize joy. Take with you this week that spirit of joy, the fruit of the spirit, right? It says love and joy. The first two, something about feeling the love of the Father brings joy to the heart. And when you're so full with the joy and the light, you can't keep it in. So we really got to be checking ourselves and make sure we're, make sure we're there. Amen. Amen. So let's start the message. So Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you. We thank you for the pink candle of joy this week and, and the constant reminder of just who we are in you, who you are for us, Lord God, that we have salvation in your son, Jesus Christ. Give us the strength and the courage, the wisdom, the words. Father God, give us ability where we think we have no ability. Give us strength where we think we have no strength, Father God. Make us a supernatural people that we would do absolutely amazing things more than what your son did. Father, we love you and we thank you for you, your son, your Holy Spirit, and we are joyful in this season. Amen. Amen. So revival, we've been talking, we started talking about revival and, and, and the importance of that because everything that you're going to see, like Torn Church is going to switch, it's going to flip, it's going to flip a little bit because I'm done preaching the coward's gospel. I'm all done. I'm done. It is time, it is time to preach the word. It is time, it is time to preach it so that you know it. Because what we've been doing for a hundred years isn't working. It's not working because we're not doing anything. 
We got the same people coming into church week after week after week. If what I was doing actually motivated you to move your feet, there would be more people in here. If what I'm preaching actually motivated my feet to do what I'm saying I'm doing, there would be more people coming in here. And why do they want to come in here? Not for a fat salary for me. Because I don't give a rip or and stinky do about that. Sorry, honey. But I don't care about that. I care about salvation. And I care about people being saved. I care about the greatest gift that we could ever have. And that is salvation. Salvation. But we act like we're dead. Oh, I can't wait for Sunday. Can't wait for Saturday night. Well, that's awesome. But what are you doing when you leave here? Some of us are. Some of us are. What's that? Resting from my shirt down the steps. <laughs> I hope it doesn't take you. Ah. <laughs> All right. So Jeremiah 24, 7. I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord. What's the significance about having the heart? What is it, what is it about you knowing? What is it about the heart of God and you knowing the heart of God that would be of such significance that the Lord would speak that out? I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord and they shall be my people. Why is that significant? A friend? Okay. To be a friend of people. Anybody else? Why would it be significant to know whose you are? Because I'll tell you this, the world wants to tell you you're this or that or whatever. They want to try and identify you as something that you're not. Because when you are a child of God, you are no longer that of which the world tells you. Oh, sure. You're a male or you're a female. Yeah, you might be tall, you might be short, you might be thin, you might be fat, you might be all those things. But none of those things have any real identifier that should alter the course of how you live your life. The only identity that should alter the course of your life is the identity that you have in God, amen? Because that identity is strength and power and wisdom. It's a knowledge that goes deeper and is is so full of richness that you can't be the same as you were before. But you need to know that, and that's why we worked on identity eight months ago. That's why we work on this stuff repeatedly, because Christians, we leak. We leak and we forget who we are. We forget whose we are. And so it's important that we read the text and we we eat the text. We eat the text and we oh. The goodness of God in the word of God is so beautiful, so rich and magnificent that it changes you. It changes you. So it's important to know they will be my people and I will be their God. My wife is not my God. And I pray that I'm not hers. That I need to worship something greater than my wife. And she needs to worship something greater than her husband. And you guys don't worship me as a pastor. 
I'm not up on a pedestal. I preach from the ground while they're up here, up there. From the same ground that you walk on, that is so that you know, that you know, that you know that I am not above you, but I am with you. I have a calling on my life to be a pastor, and that means that I preach and teach and I help shepherd. But some of you may also have a calling on your lives where you're called to do things like that. And it's really important that you know these things, that God loves you, for they shall return to me with their whole hearts. And America, we are walking away from God. You and I were walking away from God. Every time that we are out sinning and we know what we're doing is wrong and we just keep on trucking, we're walking away from God. And that is not where you want to be. You do not want to be walking that away. Because here comes the question, just like every week. Do you really know Jesus if you can continually walk away from him? Have you truly received him in your heart? It's heaven or it's hell. Period. You need to know that you are saved. You need to know God in your heart. It's free. If you've got questions, we're going to answer some later because I love this. I love, I love, 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 love. Thank you for the question and thank you for, for just challenging me last week because I love it. I love it. It causes me to get in. Causes me to get dirty in the word. I love that. I want to come out with black ink all over me. It's like, woohoo, yeah, let's go, Lord. Come on, Father, show me, show me. Because it's good, it's good in there. It's real good up in there. I'm telling you, it's a good place to be. Right? Like in the Word of God, let's go. We should all be excited about that. Bring on more joy, Lord. Bring on more joy as we get in this thing. Whoa, it's good. God is good. So we should be in there with our whole hearts, like into this whole relationship with God. Like, hey, honey, I, yeah, I'll get with you in a minute, Lord. I'll get with you in a minute, honey. But right now, I mean, with the, uh, come here. Come on. You come check this out, baby girl. Come on. This is awesome. Woo. Let's get after this. Right? Like, <laughs> we should be contagious. There shouldn't be nobody to get next to us. We should be like a sticky bun. I don't know, you ever put a sticky bun in the microwave just a few seconds and it gets hot and all that sticky because like you can't, you touch it on the very end of the fork and you dig in your sticky bun and you got sticky stuff up your elbow somehow. And that stuff is sticky, it gets everywhere. You can't give it to your kids in the bathtub, right? Because they're going to need a shower after a sticky bun. And people should need a shower after they're around you. Baptism, perhaps. They should need a baptism after they're done hanging out with you. Because you're so sticky. You're getting, you're getting God's goodness all over them. Say, yeah! Never to be the same again. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> Woohoo! Our whole hearts! Our whole hearts! You know I like sweets. But I love Jesus. But I love Jesus. If I had to choose between a big old concrete mixer with Snickers and heat, oh, thank you, Lord, for this. or 
for God. I'm going for God. Right? Not, hey, just wait. Just wait, Lord. I'm going to eat this real quick and then I'll be with you. No. No. Okay, Lord, I'm coming. With our whole hearts. There's nothing better. No. And so revival. Revive. Bring back to life. Welcome back to the land of the living, church. We're about to get woke up. It's time to get woke for real on the good side of woke. Right? Right, Paul? We're about to get woke up in here. Church, it's time to wake up. It's time to come back to life. It's, if they put a stethoscope, like a Christian stethoscope on your chest, would they be able to hear the heartbeat of God in there? Would they be like, eh, I'm good. I'm, I'm not getting anything. But God's right here. He's got the paddles. He said, of course, my gospel, my son, my love, my spirit. And he's bringing you back. And he just, ba bam, and he hits him. Ba bam, and he hits you. It's like, oh. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for the air I breathe. Thank you, Father, for the heart that beats inside my chest. Thank you, Father God, for giving me eyes to see your goodness and, and all that you are. Thank you for bringing me back to life. Father, thank you for bringing a revival in me. In me. And now, Lord, help me to bring a revival to those around me. Help me to do it. Help me, Lord. So revival, why revival? What's the <coughs> church doing? What are we doing? You get this all the time. And I, I, it burns my bacon, something fierce. But when these people sit there and they say, well, the church, they don't pay taxes. They should be saving all the homeless people. Okay, maybe. Now, me being a pastor... I know what we bring in a week. That little black box over there. Can't save all of them. But I know the one who can. His name is Jesus Christ. He's my Lord. Amen. He's my Lord. And so whether I have cash or whether I have the message of salvation, right? Am I feeding? Am I loving? And when you and I actually understand the mission, the message of Jesus Christ. We understand and we walk with the joy. There's no reason that the boxes are empty. There's no reason that the churches are starving. There's actually, this is weird, but there's no reason that the church ain't paying taxes to the city. I've said it before. We're not supposed to be a burden to the cities, but we're a burden. Why are we a burden? You think we got some, some right Nah, don't get it. Nah. We should be the biggest blessing that if our church closed, that the city would miss us. But would they? What are we doing? Church, what are we doing? That's you and I. All of us. 
It's time we all get the paddles. Holy Spirit. Paddle, paddle, paddle. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why are we not doing what we're supposed to do? Are we dead inside? Are we dead inside, church? Ask yourself if you're dead inside. Ask yourself if you need those paddles. Because Jesus wants to give you the paddles. If you need it, he'll do what it takes. He's going to send that Holy Spirit in you. You ain't never going to be the same. Never going to be the same. Why revival? For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and also in him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Psalm 51.10, this is Psalm 57.15, but Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. My beloved, we need, we need to wake up. We need to get real. We need to be at that place that we're willing to let God do something in us. What are you holding on to that you won't let God change you, won't let God revive you? What does he have to do to wake the church up? The church is dead inside. We have all this air and all these heartbeats in this building. And yet the church is dead. Why? Why are churches that don't even believe in a God who comes and saves? Not a God that you have a measure up to, but a God who sent his son to die on a cross for you. Because you could never measure up without him. But because he came... And all you have to do is receive him. Now you measure up. Now you're good enough. Now the law has no power over you. The enemy has no power over you. Death has no power over you. So why are we dead? What are we doing? we got to figure it out. We can't just be consumer Christians. Christianity is a verb. Christ is a verb. He should cause you to move. He is the one that should get you right on your boo-boo and get you right out the door. Get you above and beyond yourself. So, so I, I got this from the message because the message oftentimes fills out the word in a way that you might not otherwise hear. So there's a few slides. For, I'm not going to haul people into court endlessly. I'm not going to be angry forever. Otherwise, people would lose heart. These souls I created would tire out and give up. I was angry, good and angry, because of Israel's sins. I struck him hard and turned away in anger while he kept at his stubborn, willful ways. While he kept at his stubborn, willful ways, when I looked again and saw what he was doing, I decided to heal him, lead him. 
comfort him, creating new language of praise for the mourners, peace to the far off, peace to the near at hand, says God, and yes, I will heal them. But the wicked are storm-battered seas that can't quiet down. The waves stir up garbage and mud. There's no peace, God says, for the wicked. So are you the wicked? Or are you that which knows and needs to know and needs to be reminded of who you are? Like it's time to recognize. Humble your hearts so that you can receive the goodness of God. Because if you keep going on in your sinful nature, are you the wicked? Are the storms keep popping up in your life? I got knocked, knocked down my stairs. I got to go in for surgery on my knee and my hamstring, and I'm praising God in the midst of all the pain. I'm praising him. You know why? Because the devil tried to take me, and God said, no, that's my boy. That's my son. I could have easily been paralyzed or dead. You see 260 pounds slamming down that staircase with a dresser and toes smashing your feet, knocking you across the hallway, through the wall and into a, into a brick chimney. And you can even remotely walk out of that. Praise God. Praise God. So are you part of the lowly? Are you part of the proud? Lowly doesn't mean you're a piece of trash. Lowly means you're humble. Lowly means that your heart is turned to God, that it's softened. That you realize that the goodness that you have in you is the gift and the goodness of God that wants to pour out of you. But what is it we're doing? We need to know that. Revival, literally a coming to life from the dead. As distinct from resurrection, the term is used, however, to denote a quickening and kindling of spirit, spiritual life in an individual Christian. See, guys, how do you start a fire? Right? You take that piece of paper and you wad it up. And then you take those small little pieces of wood that are kindling, right? And you put the wood on top of the paper and you light the paper and then the paper lights the kindling and then you throw a little log on there and then the kindling lights and the fire gets growing big, right? So it starts with a spark. It starts with a spark. It starts with a paddle. It starts with something somewhere. And we might be a small church but there is no reason that in the city of Portage, in the county of Columbia, in the state of Wisconsin, that we can't be the kindling that starts a fire, that starts a revival right here. But God is calling us up to something right here in Portage. He's calling the churches across America and around the world to rise up to stop being victims and start being victors. There's a difference, and we got to get there. We got to get there, but it's going to start with you and I understanding what God is doing in us. 
what God wants to do through us. So it's the kindling of spiritual life in an individual Christian, in the church, the community, or country. In this view, it is a work of God's spirit dispelling the darkness and deadness of spiritual declension. Who's doing the work? Who's doing the work? The work of God's Spirit. How do you get the Spirit? By accepting Jesus. By accepting Jesus. When we confess. When we believe in our hearts, confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, that I've been washed, that I joined with him in his death, burial, and his resurrection. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead fills me. And so i got to stop denying what God has done, stop believing what the world wants to tell me, and start believing what the word of God tells me. There is truth in the word. Every word of the word of God is truth. There's not one in there that is false. There's not one in there that is not good. There's not one in there that doesn't build up and doesn't encourage. You might look at it and you say, well, I see a lot of war and I see a lot of death, but look at the message behind those words. Look at what was going on and look what brought that on because it wasn't just a, a God who hated a people. It was a God who loved a people that he would do anything to bring up his nation to bring up his people and he loves so deeply and desperately and passionately but you see the world wants to tell you we worship a murdering God haven't you ever read the Old Testament and I say haven't you ever read the Old Testament did you see what's going on because every now and again the child needs a little hand upside their backside sometimes they need to be sat in the corner Sometimes they need to know that you love them so much that you will discipline them. Because I can't raise up a kid who's going to run the streets like the rest of the world is trying to make you do. I'm going to raise you up to love God. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why it hurts me so badly to discipline you. And you're going to know that that great love that I have for you, you have in there for me, although you can't see it right now. And so I'm going to work on heart transformation instead of just behavior modification. It ain't all about whooping a kid. That's why God doesn't just whoop us. He didn't just whoop everybody in the Old Testament. He loves us too much to whoop them. Amen. Amen. And we need to do that to our kids. We need to do that to one another. But are we doing it? True revival always brings a fresh and vivid scriptural emphasis. A scriptural, a what? A word of God, an emphasis on the word of God. What has God been telling you for the last couple of months? And now here this is. It's like, what? Have I been listening to God? Did I hear him right? I think I did. Hallelujah. That's not bad for a, for a dumb drunk, drug addict. <coughs> but you know what? He made something new in me. And he's making something new in you. Do you want it? Do you want it? Because you, you got to believe it's coming in your heart. You got to believe that that is coming, that God has something for you. You got to believe that you're worth it, that you're mighty to be saved. You are absolutely amazing in the eyes of the Father. 
You are incredible. So when pastor tells you, pick up your Bible, pick it up. Stop leaving the thing in the corner. Because I love you so much, I'm going to hammer this home. We're a church that's ignorant. Because I haven't been telling you to bring your Bibles. So guess what you don't do? Don't bring your Bibles. I'm telling you from here out, bring your Bibles. Bring your Bibles. I want you guys, I want this church to know the Word of God. We have some back there for free if you need. We have more. We'll get more. All right, so it's a strong, it's a fresh and vivid scriptural emphasis on the holiness and justice of God, on his judgment on sin, <coughs> and on true repentance and the reception of Christ by faith. True repentance. True repentance. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all know that one person in your life that you have forgiven. Now what you did is you tried to write them off. And you think you forgave them. But writing somebody off ain't forgiving them. Writing somebody off, that's going to fester. That's like thinking the sliver ain't coming back. The sliver's going to come back. So is that person. And it's only going to hurt you. So, true repentance and the reception of Christ by faith, the presence of God in awful and overwhelming power is the hallmark of revival. So get ready. Because when we hear the story, when we hear the story, when we hear the testimony, when we see God healing, when we see God growing legs back, I'm not even kidding you. I've seen it, and we're going to see it again. We are going to see it. I'm calling it, and I don't care. I'll go to my grave believing it. Amen? Just, just the way we go, because it says it in the Word. Overwhelming power is the hallmark of revival as he moves in glorious gospel triumph, bringing new life to his church and salvation to many souls. Such a revival leaves a lasting mark. But if our church is closed, who's going to miss us? They may say, oh, yeah, that's too bad that church closed. What a bummer that is. But in six months, they'll barely remember your name. You'll always remember, but if you think if you think keeping a church afloat so the pastor's out, you're wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. I can't do it by myself. I cannot do it all by myself. So what are we doing, church? Knowing the word will start revival in you. John, oh, but that's all we have on revival. And now we're talking about something that somebody brought to me last week, which I love in the conversation about knowing God. And we're going to try and get through this as fast as possible. I know that it's running a little bit late. But if you're all having fun, we're still doing good, then we're going to keep going. Keep going? Keep going? Yep. Anybody want to go home? All right, we'll keep going. Here we go. So last week, somebody questioned me about, is God Jesus? Is Jesus God? So where would we get that information from, and how would we believe it? Well, because when I was a kid, we learned about the triune God, which never made any sense to me. So I just stopped trying to make sense of it, and I just started believing it. 
Anybody else in that boat? How do you how do you know that God is three and one? Because Pastor said so. Well, God What's that? Search the word of God. Amen. And this is where it comes. This is where we're going. We're going to read some scriptures that are going to help us to understand because it's important for people to understand these questions and it's really important that we create a church, a place where people are safe to have differences and different understandings so that they can come and they can ask questions and not feel ostracized because they don't know or, or maybe they learn something different because there's all these different faiths that say that they're Christian, but yet they don't know of the deity of Jesus Christ. They don't fully understand how he can be three in one. And so it's important. It's important. We need to be knowledgeable about the word of God. Amen? Amen. Knowledge is power. And when you know what you're talking about, you don't have to be afraid to evangelize. You don't have to be afraid to stand up with people, lock arm in arm and have a debate, have a healthy conversation about the word of God. All right. So John 14, 9 and 11, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. What's he saying? One and the same. If you've seen, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. Well, Pastor, does that, does that um, cover up the word in the beginning where it says God created all man in his image? So therefore, all of us are God? Yeah. Isn't one of the Genesis say, say our image? Yep. Absolutely. In our image. Jesus was there all along. So if we go back to the beginning, if we go into Genesis, we read about God, but the word spoke and things happened. But remember, there was also a spirit over the waters. So now you have God and you have Holy Spirit. And if you turn to John 1, you start to read that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So when the word was spoken and things became we know that Jesus the third the second of the Trinity was also present in the creation so you have God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit but let's keep reading how can you say show us the Father do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me so how can the Father be in me and me and the Father if we are not one Okay, well, can't we say that the Father's in me because I received Christ as my Savior? Or did I just accept Jesus as the Savior? And therefore, I just have Jesus. You get all three. You get all three. Right. And it's, it's, really, it's really confusing because if you, if you remember how our brains think, we are very finite thinkers. Like things have to be black or white. Right? But yet... <laughs> What's going on in America right now? Shades of gray. Everything's shades of gray. 
but there's also there's also the strong black and white. Right? Like all of a sudden we can't honor and lift up people's culture and who they are or where they came from. We can't understand that there's something greater than the color of our skin to understand that there's something so beautiful, incredible in each and every one of us. The same heart that beats in me beats in you, regardless of where you're from, your heritage. I have a brain that functions exactly well, maybe not exactly the same, but the same, the same drive as everybody else has, right? We gotta stop it. We gotta, we gotta be Christian about this. All right, all right. So the word, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does His works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. So this can also, like we said already, this could be the testimony that God dwells inside of us by the works that we do. Is God alive or dead? What? So why aren't we doing the works? Right? So you have God the Father, Jesus his Son, while being the same, giving away. So remember, I was talking about our finite brains. We can only think this way. But when you think about a God who's beyond time and space, he's the Alpha and Omega, he has the beginning and the end. He is the creator. While Jesus spoke it, he is the creator. And the Spirit is almost like the overseer of things. And so he is... Right, and so Jesus, God, Jesus, and the, and so he gets the title of son. All right, thank but there, you. But just wait, there's more. There is more. <laughs> All right, John 10, 30 to 33. I and the Father are one. What's that say? Where's your questions now? <laughs> That's pretty point blank, period. Do you see how knowing your word is beneficial to you? And like y'all, like all we have to do is pick up the word. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible what you'll find in the Holy Bible. In the Holy, Holy, Holy Bible. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him. And now if you remember who the Jews were, who were the Jews? Did they believe in God? They believed in God. They just didn't believe in Jesus. Right? So Jesus now is coming. Jesus takes man, and he's coming to show the Jews, just as prophesied, so the Jews would have known about these prophecies from the Old Testament, which wouldn't have been called the Old Testament there, would have been the books of the Torah. And they would have known of him, they would have known of prophecies, they would have known of him coming, but he didn't look the way that they did, or the way that they were thinking. He was doing things differently, and they weren't paying attention. All right, so the Jews answered him, 
It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. So even the Jews knew what he was saying, but yet they wouldn't accept it. So it's kind of normal that these guys, or anybody would think, or be able to say this. This isn't the first time that somebody hasn't understood that God is Jesus. Jesus is God. God is Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is God. It's not the first time that this has happened. And the Jews, the ones who would protect and try to protect Israel and try to protect their God against these foreign gods and against these foreign teachings, here they come and they're talking to them. And they're mad. They're upset. All right, here we go. John 10, 34 to 38. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, You are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, You are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. You and I do not get to go around saying that we're Jesus. Because we have Jesus in us. We're not. If you and I go around saying that we're Jesus, that's blasphemy. That's what they're talking about. That would be... That would be overstepping the bounds by a long, long way. You had better, if you fear God, you had better understand that very clearly, that you are not Jesus Christ, that you are not the one performing miracles, that you are not the one doing these things. You are the one walking out in faith and it is God working through you. Amen? Amen. Huge difference and you better get it right. Better get it right. So Jesus is really drawing this point to them. Like, guys, I know your word. I know your law. I know what you're saying. So therefore, if I'm going to say that I am Jesus, then, then you need to look at my works. My works will tell you who I am. Do they not line up with the words that you were taught in the, in the prophecies of the Old Testament? Yep. Were they, are they not the same? Look at this, and who else is doing who else is doing what God said I would do when I came? So I gave you a word over 400 years ago that this day would come, and in that day I would do these miracles, over 300 miracles, signs, and things to prove that he was who he said he was. And here he's doing them, and they just need to look. So we need to look. And it's, so how's that song go? Uh, they know, they will know we are Christians by our, by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. We are one in the spirit, we are one in the Lord. We are one in the spirit, we are one in the Lord. How are people on the streets going to know that you're who you say you are? By your foul mouth? By you flipping them off when they're driving? Hey, remember, I'm, 
I want to trade in my car for a horse and buggy. <laughs> I do. I'm terrible. I get it. I'm bad. Um, and so, Lord, you got to deliver me from that, Lord. Uh, I'm bad. All right. So, so we get there. All right. Turn to Matthew four. So what book in the New Testament is Matthew? The first, first one. book. The first <coughs> book. I need to do a Bible study. No. <laughs> Alright, now we're going to start right away at chapter one, or verse 1. Because it's important. It's important to know this stuff. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He was led up by the Spirit. What Spirit? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Led up to do what? To be tempted by the devil. What is Jesus doing? What's Jesus' mission when he comes? To, to bring us salvation. To conquer the law, to conquer death, to conquer the devil. So why would he be led up to the de to the desert to be tempted by Satan? So he could overcome temptation. So he could overcome temptation. Amen. And so we look at these words and we're blessed richly by him. Like, all right, God. So now when the word says that um, God will never give you more than you can handle, False. is what people say? False. False. God will never give you more than that which he will give you a way out of. So you will always be given a way to get out of whatever you get yourself into. Does that mean that uh, you can go kill somebody? No. And God will get you out? No. Does that mean the bad stuff won't happen? No. No. Does that mean death won't fall upon us? Okay. But we can always find peace and joy and love in everything that we're going through. We don't have to look and see the things the way the world wants us to see. All right, so tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. What else do you think he was? Tired. Tired. I know, I'd be angry. I'd be thirsty. Like, this is, so like, think about this. When you're reading these, put yourself in the word. Put yourself in there. Can you imagine how hungry he was? Can you imagine how thirsty he would be? I'd be angry because you don't feed me for 40 days. My whole arm's salty. Don't try it, honey. <laughs> Take us to the bathrooms. Put the dog's pants on that one. All right, so, all right. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written. So what is, what is Jesus doing right here? He's quite quoting the Bible. So if it's important for God to quote the Bible to kill the enemy, to stop temptation, how important is it for you and I to know the word of God? Very. It's important. Mucho, mucho. Si, si, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what is even more important to know? How to make a loaf of bread or how to love God? Amen. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him again, It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showered him with all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Now when he had heard of Jesus, fully God, fully man, you and I, filled with God, fully men and women. What power are we missing? What authority are we missing? Nothing. We should want for nothing. And we receive the blessing of God the Father. Jesus could have turned. You and I are tempted to turn all the time and, and shoot for the wrong thing. But if we ingest this word, if we take this word seriously and worship God and his word, we're going to have those things. Because joy doesn't come from receiving gifts other than the gift of God, the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of salvation. Do you see where all good gifts, the good and pure and perfect holy gifts come from God the Father? Nothing that this world can give us will fill us the way that God does. Jesus is God. God is Jesus. Holy Spirit is God and Jesus. So if Jesus went from this world to be with God the Father, and we worship a God who is three in one. Where is Jesus? God. The Holy Spirit's in here. So that means if Jesus is in here, that means if God is in here. You and I need to understand these things. It is important. And it is found in the word of God. You do not have to believe me. My hope and my prayer is that I will teach you guys some stuff that will blow your brains and you will be forced to go and look yourself. I double-dog dare you. Challenge me. Challenge me. Bring it on. Let's have some discussion. The last discussion, and it's a doozy, and then, and then I'll be done. This young lady came to me last week and said, well, Pastor, if I pray the Lord's Prayer and I say, forgive me as I have forgiven, am I not cursing myself? 
So if I'm asking God to forgive me and yet I'm not forgiving others, am I casting a curse upon myself? Okay, got one head nod. Got one head shake. God, do to me what I'm doing to others. Okay? Now we can take it that way. But how about we take it like this? Because my favorite commentator, Matthew Henry, <coughs> says that it's like cursing yourself. But listen to what we've talked about. True repentance. True repentance. So our walk with God is all about, all about Repenting, all about discovery about the deepest bowels of ourselves to understand and get the poisons out of us. So when I pray the Lord's Prayer and I know that I know that I know that I haven't forgiven somebody and I'm feeling that conviction in my heart, I pray God for that conviction. I thank Him for that conviction in my heart. Right? Like the cursing is gone. I'm not going to be able to curse myself, but I need to pay attention to the convictions. And if I'm not listening to the convictions of my heart, if I'm not listening to what God is saying, then I am cursed. Then I am without God in me. Because I can't keep doing and pretending like it's okay. Why is it important to know the Word of God? Because how do you follow his loving example if you don't know what his loving example is? How do you know what sin is when you don't know what sin is? When you feel that thing inside of you that tells you that you got something going on, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Get to that place. I have conversations with myself about my family. They're tore up from the floor up. It's a mess up in there. I got brothers and sisters that don't, I ain't talked to. They didn't show up at their own mom's funeral. How's that make me feel? See, now I could be really chafed. I could be angry and all giddy up. I got two ex-wives that wronged me. Both of them asked for a divorce. You shouldn't be married again, Pastor. Well, that's a story for another day. Doesn't mean no. What's that? Strike three and you're out. Oh, there will be no strike three. We are we are blessed to be together. In the good times and the bad times. And that's the great thing about having a wife that loves the Lord. Is even though there's certain days that are hard, there's always that love. It's hard to find some minutes, but boy, you know you got it there. But I could be mad, and I could and I could curse people. I could be really mad at them. I could be really mad at my family. But instead, when their names come up and I feel something in me, I I go right to prayer for them. Right, like I'm not going to let that destroy my day. I'm not going to let it destroy my evening. I'm not going to let it destroy my walk with God. And so I lift them up in prayer immediately. And part of that prayer is, Lord, help me forgive because my heart of hearts knows that I love people genuinely regardless regardless of the things they've done to me I was molested and raped 
I have to love those people. I have to pray to God for forgiveness for those people for what they did to me. Oh, my flesh cries out, I let the people in. Tar eyes some of them once in a while. But that's that flesh. But the spirit is stronger inside of me, and I would never act on that. And every time I open my mouth up with some foolish garbage, I, pr I go to prayer. And so I want to go to prayer for each and every one of us right now, if I could. And then we'll close up. So, Jody, if you could hit that, uh, hit that button.